welcome to another edition of Deportes Nation. Today, our Deportes Nation, the soccer podcast. I'm Alex Parra. It's always an honor, a pleasure to be with you. You can see him here. My partner in crime is what I've decided to call him. We welcome in Don Victor Araiza. First of all, Victor, good day, good evening, good night. How are you? Good evening, good night, Alex. Uh, obviously, the time of day when we're recording this, but but maybe good morning, depending on when uh, whoever's listening to this uh, is listening to this. Maybe it might be noon, uh, any side of the world. But uh, always a pleasure to be on here at the Portis Nation and, and speak of the beautiful game. Again, pl plenty to speak about now. MLS season's right here. Oh. And, uh, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of uh, topics. We'll, we'll we'll give you a quick rundown, ladies and gentlemen, friends, enemies. Maybe there's some enemies out there that don't agree with everything we say. <laughs> we will be talking MLS. We'll talk no, about. They listen. They, hey, as long as you listen, that's what's important. We need the ratings. So thank you, Victor. Uh, we'll talk about the Houston Dynamo, a fan event that we were present at just in the last couple of days. The team heading off to play St. Louis here and also the home opener that's coming versus Kansas City. Yes, the home opener already of the 2024 season. We'll also talk about HH, Hector Herrera. Apparently he's in Europe, they say. Will he be ready for the season opener? I doubt it. Will he be ready for the first couple of games of the season? We don't know yet. So that's something we'll talk about. We'll talk about the Houston Dash. Speaking of Europe, the Spaniard. Profe Alonso finally got to Houston. We had the opportunity to chat with him, and we'll, we'll talk about that event. We'll also talk about, and I want to get into this a little bit, Victor, the new alternate jersey for the Dynamo. I need to be educated about a lot of things, so that'll be one of the topics for today. We'll also talk about the CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup coming to the United States and Houston in particular. And I'm interested, Victor, to see how the MLS will start this season. Why don't we start with that topic is the MLS still today, for this season, the world revolves around Messi? Is, is that basically the story that everyone's going to follow, regardless of what may be happening well, elsewhere? Well, they're starting the league with, uh, with Inter-Miami, so does that answer the question for you? Um, most of the league, most of the game is on Saturday, but, but right before then, a few days before uh, Wednesday, uh, the big home opener, nope. It ain't, uh, it ain't the MLS Cup uh, champions Columbus crew uh, opening at home. It's not even uh, the runners-up LAFC. It's uh, Inter-Miami, who didn't make the playoffs in 2023. They'll be opening at home against uh, Real Salt Lake. And, of course, it's Messi and friends, Luis Suarez, Jordi Alba, uh, Tata Martino as, uh, as the manager. And, and, of course, that is the one of the big stories of the season. And, and you know, if you're looking at betting lines, the odds-on favorite to win the entire thing. And, and I think that has to be right. I, I don't blame the MLS. I know there's other storylines. I know there's other, um, there's other teams that are up and coming. There's, there's uh, not yet a new franchise uh, team, a new, uh, um, um, forgive me, not franchise, but expansion team, rather. That'll be another club, yeah. Another That'll club be next year. Next year with San Diego. So that's not a storyline. But I think while you've got Messi here, arguably the best planet in the history uh, of the sport, you, you have to write that and, and write that as far as uh, uh, the Apple uh, broadcast, as far as the attention that the league receives, not so much domestically, but maybe internationally. And I think that's part of the play of what uh, Don Garber and company have in mind, Victor. It has to be. I mean, he's the biggest star in, in the sport in the world. Uh, any league he'd be playing in, he'd be uh, 
you know, his fans would be fans of that team. There's a reason why they did this world tour and everywhere you go, everywhere you see videos from all around the world, uh, the Inter Miami jersey is now, it's famous. <laughs> you know, it's even if it's, if, if they're replicas, if they're, uh, if they're pirated, <laughs> put it that way, um, knockoffs. But, you know, that's the, that's the worldwide appeal that, that Messi and, uh, of course, some of the other guys, uh, Luis Suarez, Jordi Alba, the yeah. uh, Sergio Busquets, the ex-Barcelona stars bring. Uh, they had some South American signings too. Um, but obviously, Messi is the big focal point. And they only have him for a, a certain number of years. I mean, this is obviously year two of, of the Messi um, era? experiment, that yeah. we want to call it that, <laughs> or, or era. And, and, you know, this may only be going for maybe one more year uh you know, depending on how this goes, uh, you know, up the run-up up to the 2026 World Cup. So, yeah, you have to make uh, the most out of this. You have to um, take the most out of this opportunity. But there is a lot of criticism, right, between the authentic or just the long-time MLS fans, um, how much attention they're getting. Uh, you know, is the league bending over backwards with rules, uh, roster rules to accommodate them? Um, there's, you know, again, side stories here with the U.S. Open Cup and MLS involvement in that, obviously the referee situation as well. Uh, they don't have an agreement in place and the league is about to kick off and I think we'll see replacement reps here. Um, but again, all this revolves around big business, right? And that's uh, that the league is making printing money with Messi, Lionel Messi being part of the league and, and everybody wants a piece. Everyone wants a piece, and, and, and in many ways, uh, I don't blame the league for doing that. Now, let's localize this a little bit. The Dynamo have yet to face Messi at home, and it's not in the cards for 2024 either yet, at least as far as the regular season, Victor. No, they faced him last year. That was their chance. Uh, U.S. In Open Cup in Fort Lauderdale. Well, no, before that, in, in the MLS season. It, it, correct, before, b but before Messi. Before Messi, yes, but it was but it was part of the 2023 season. So as far as the schedule rotation, they already got their chance, right? I, you know, because they're in the East, uh, Dynamo are in the West. So every two years, uh, ideally, that's how how you would uh, rotate those uh, those dates. Uh, in this case, they don't face them this year at all. But um, but last year was the was when they faced them at home. The year before that's when they they faced them away. Um, and again, they, they got maybe got an extra there with the Open Cup final and, and going over there and, and getting some of those ratings. But, um, you know, if we want a nitpick, we can say that, hey, had, had the Dynamo scored more goals, they could have hosted them in the League's Cup. Uh, but you're right. As far as MLS itself, they don't get to host them. And I've seen some criticism Dynamo fans around the league as well. But, you know, with, with the way the contract has been scheduled, there's criticism, right? Well, I'm paying for MLS season pass. Uh, indirectly, I'm paying for Messi, but he's not playing on my team. So, you know, why should I contribute? Uh, but look, the Dynamo are getting a piece of this as well, too, I think, right? With sure. uh, the way MLS is set up, um, you know, it is a, a, a league that divides uh, earnings, right, between all the owners. Uh, so, in a way, indirectly, Ted Siegel, the Houston Dynamo, are getting a piece of, of the income for Messi. Well, it's a, it's a single uh, it's a single um, entity, entity league meaning that that everybody has a percentage of it. Uh, everybody wins, everybody benefits, similar to the NFL. They they're in business together. Yes, there's individual franchise fees, 
and somebody buys into that, and, and that's the long play uh, for many of these owners. Hey, I'm getting in a league. My valuation keeps growing. I may have invested $300 million, but if I can get out in 10 years, get some attention for me, my family, my businesses, and walk away with $500 million, uh, that's not bad business. I would, I would jump into that. And you're right. Everyone in some way has a piece <laughs> of Messi. It's, it's different than in other leagues, in other parts of the world, where you're literally your own entity. Yes, you need each other in the league, but, but you benefit if you do well, if you sell tickets, if you sell more hot dogs and beers or tacos and tortas and aguas frescas, depending on what part of the world you live in. This is slightly different, but, but it's business and, uh, at the end of the day, Victor. Oh, it certainly worked that way for the former Dynamo owner, sure. uh, Gabriel Brenner, and and you know it's not uh, it's not crazy to say that you know that could work for Chet Siegel as well, the current Dynamo owner. Why not? So, Victor, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. We had the opportunity to be at uh, the Shell Energy Stadium here in the last couple of days for a Dynamo member kickoff event. Great event. Uh, let's start with that. Your thoughts about uh, being there and seeing the fans' uh, excitement about the upcoming season? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, like, like we said in, in our recap, uh, which I can find the Portis Nation YouTube. Um, you can, you can, plug, you can plug it, Victor. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> Look, I'm always going to applaud these efforts, uh, as many as it can do. Um, you know, in, 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 I think there's maybe a Facebook, Facebook group where I saw something about, well, it was a member or was supposed to be like a member only event. It ended up being open to everybody. Um, I hope so, because they need as many people as, as they can get. Um, but I can I can get also if there was maybe some angst about it, maybe not if it was advertised as member only, because I think there is some, um, you know, some privileges that the season circuit holders have, you know, exclusivity, what have you, that they've lost over the years that, you know, almost doesn't make it worth, uh, you know, to be a season ticket holder if, if you want to compare it to previous years. But, you know, that's... Maybe diving into another conversation. Overall, like I said, I think these kinds of um, um, community events where you greet the fans, uh, you need as many as you as you can get out of these things. Make new fans. Um, you know, have some TLC, tender loving care with uh, with the current fans you already have. And you know, again, I don't think there's enough of these events throughout the year. But uh, more power to them that they that they got one done uh, here out of the way and. And hopefully we can see more uh, of this community involvement. And, and the players were there, Victor, which is also an important part. I, I love seeing uh, Coach Ben Olsen address the fans that were present. Uh, you're right. I, I got a positive vibe. Now, I, I don't want to sound negative in what I saw and what I didn't see. Um, but I didn't see more than maybe 2,000 fans. And I'm being very generous in that number, I know it was a cold, blustery, or blistery. Blustery is a better word. It was a cold, windy day. Let's leave it at that. Um, and, and, and it seemed that if there's a surge, pun intended here, of, of, of support, that you would have more people. Maybe it was the day. Maybe it was the competing sports um, uh, sports. Um, the landscape, the landscape with, the, uh, with, with many with UTUH uh, yeah, that day. other things going on that day. There was a Roughnecks event, by the way, from the new UFL. Um, so, so was it an okay event? Yes, it was great to see it. The people were there, that were there, some longtime fans, some new fans, uh, were, were excited about it. 
literally a week before the opener. Um, you judge it by the numbers, and it was a very small crowd, that, that rel relative to any other numbers. Is that enough? And if that's the fan base of season ticket holders, uh, I'm, I'm thinking ahead for the 24th yeah, of I, February. Will that be a sellout? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if that's an indication, I'm not sure. Well, it's not. It's not going to be a sellout. Let's, I mean, let's be honest, because it, everything we've seen up, up to this point, uh, you know, last year included, uh, there was no sellouts. I don't think there is a reason to think there will be one. Uh, but that has a lot to do, again, with these kinds of efforts. Look, Alex, this used to be um, almost a, a, an annual appointment, right? Uh, beginning of the year, you got to meet the team event. Um, you have an open practice. Again, these are traditions that have gotten lost over the years that reasons why people sort of walk away from the team because there hasn't been that, uh, that connection with the fans over the years, not as strongly. Uh, sometimes this meet the team event is during the season. Sometimes it's it's uh, it's at the end of the year. Um, again, the end of the year award ceremony had gone scrapped uh, from the previous years. Uh, I, I call it an end of year celebration because again, um, maybe the club saw it as well. We didn't win anything. We don't want to remind people that we didn't win anything, so we're just not going to have it. The players don't want to take part in it. The coaches don't want to take part in it after a failure of a season. But again, these are things that are important to the fans. Um, they don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, win or lose, th those things matter. But to, to the diehards, right, they, they're there to support regardless, right? And I think when you take some stuff like that away, then um, it's not hard to see why people have, have left in droves. And again, uh, for us, it was a unique perspective to, to be able to see some of that with Dynamo go over across town to, to Rice Stadium and see it with the uh, with the UFL, with the Roughnecks, and see, um, you know, how they see that importance, how they're having a Q&A before the season starts um, with the head coach, uh, with the director of football operations of the league. You know, again, uh, I applaud Dynamo for doing it, but, you know, sometimes because of the repercussions of prior years, that's why there's not a... Uh, as many fans and that's another reason why on top of these events and maybe doing more of them they also have to take this team out to the community they got to go to schools they got to go to local parks they got to go to local events because that's how bad uh the situation has gotten here in houston and, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes with this alternate jersey with the thinking behind it i'm going to read literally what what the press relief says about what this means the still holding kit I want to make sure I get it right. I'm an old man. Clearly, some of this is news <laughs> to me. But we're going to explore that because I want to get it right. I want to give it its due justice. Uh, and and we'll, we'll talk about this new purple jersey in, in just a few minutes here on the Deportes Nation, the soccer podcast. But, but let me go back to one thing here before we switch to the competition that's coming up versus St. Louis. The stadium, the fans, it's, it's something that, that, that is... is is yet to be seen, and, and, and you talked about it. Uh, I don't want you to get too ahead of our, ourselves, but I, I believe there was only... Were there any sellouts last season, Victor, at, at the show? At the show, yes. Not for the Houston Dynamo, and, and certainly not, not for the Houston Dash, which I, I want to <laughs> throw in there, not, not to throw stones, but to just remind people that, uh, you know, it's both teams that are struggling. Yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, we had the, the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the, the Benz, Right, because uh, we have the women's coming up as well. Yeah, uh, Guatemala had a sellout game. Uh, El Salvador had a sellout game. Um, you want to talk about Leagues Cup? Uh, Tigres Rayados 
uh, sold out. And then they also had a friendly, which uh, they sold out prior to um, to them meeting in League's Cup. They had already sold out the, the friendly um, in a previous announcement. So there were sellouts there at the stadium, just the Houston Dynamo weren't able to um, to get enough people out there for their games. So, so let me ask and you. And they had three playoff, three home playoff games, by the way. Well, let me ask you the direct question then: Is is not having a, a season opener sellout an issue relative to the season they had uh, in 2023? They made the semifinals of the Western Conference. They were literally uh, two matches away from an MLS championship. They won the U.S. Open Cup trophy. Literally. Uh, that's one of the best seasons in history for this team, rather uh, 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 relative to, to the past. And is the expectation that winning fills up that stadium? If that doesn't happen, is that is that a um, is that a problem? Well, I think we've we've heard the answer before, and I go back to to when Chris Kennedy was the team president because I think you know this goes across several uh, several eras if you want to and several management groups right um and they've sort of clinged on to winning is, is going to get people back and i don't think winning itself i think we've seen it now it's evidence winning itself is not it's not the answer um not my not by itself right winning alone is not going to bring people back and again when we talked about we talked about this with in the other episode with the just the landscape of youth soccer in this area but it's the same here with um with the fan engagement i mean there's repercussions from the past that you, you can't ignore and you have to till the soil and win those people back it, it's not just one of those hey it's a new it's a new era it's it's new people in charge and people are just going to come back in droves that that's not you know one announcement or just you know a few words like that isn't just going to get people back in the stadium um again you have to almost prove yourself again uh to this community the way that the first team had to do it, winning at Robertson, winning MLS Cups, uh, to gain permanency. Because remember, at that time, there was doubt uh, that the team would stay permanently in Houston if they didn't find a stadium deal. And, and ironically, um, while they found a stadium deal that kept them in town, a lot of that stuff that got them the stadium in the first place, they kept going away from. Which, again, community engagement, um, you know, being more connected to the fans, having more of these events, um, sticking to the product that on the field, I mean, or just sticking to the one I thing that identifies the team, which is so crazy to me that, you know, we, we hear about it, Dash and Dynamo, about the identity of the team. Well, the identity of the team should be soccer. It's as simple as that. And yet it's like they want to do everything but soccer. And, and I know we'll get to, to the jersey there in a little bit, but... We're, we're, I mean, we'll, keep, we'll keep teasing it, but but I think it's 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 leading us in that direction, Victor. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the situation where the team is right now. Unfortunately, it's 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 a current almost niche of fans here in town. When you have such a big, uh, you know, sector of the population that already loves the sport as it is, they watch other leagues, they they watch international. Uh, games they go to the NRG stadium to to fill up for friendlies or or like we just mentioned when there's games at Shell, yeah. uh, you know if it's Salvador, Guatemala, um, you know Liga MX teams. I mean they they show up for that, but it's just the the hometown teams can't seem to completely get them there. And the other thing I'll mention real quick because I don't I I meant to mention this earlier with with the other point. 
Um, another reason why these fan events have to be more often, I think. You know, for a lot of people, this is the only chance they get, especially if, if they just join the season ticket holders or, uh, or or they, you know, just decide to come out to one of these things to meet an Hector Herrera, to meet an Alberto Carrasquilla. And, you know, Herrera wasn't there on Saturday. Karim Pasi wasn't there on Saturday. Uh, Nelson Quinones, who's injured, wasn't there on Saturday. And and I mentioned Herrera, also, you know, focusing on him because that's the star of your team. Uh, I think he's only shown up to one of these. Um, of course, injury has, has been part of, of the other ones. Uh, I think there might have been some international conflicts as far as, uh, you know, with him playing with Mexico. Um, there was one they did, a, I think, just last year at, at the um, Eleanor Tinsu Park in downtown. And again, Herrera wasn't there either. And, and they, had a, they had a video of Herrera saying, like, thanks for coming out, but that's not the same thing. And, you know, that's why, you know, I go back to, that's why you have to have multiple of these because for some fans, it's the only chance they get to, to get an autograph, uh, you know, because they don't always, uh, at the game, right, they're not always at by the tunnel or, you know, their seats are maybe in the second level or something like that. And, and for a lot of uh, fans, this is their only chance to, to have that connection. Uh, Victor, it's an election year, um, whether it's Biden or Trump or somebody else or a, a third party. And by the way, I'm fully open to a third party candidate, ladies and gentlemen, just to make it official uh, in case anyone cares about my voice. Uh, there's nothing like shaking hands and kissing babies. And that wins you votes. That wins you support. Uh, I love, again, what I saw with Ben Olsen uh, at, at the fan event. He was there talking to the crowd. He was, he was, he was pressing the flesh, if you will. Um, the stars, whether it's Hector Herrera or others, need to do that. Is it an event like this? I understand injury. I understand he's rehabbing. I understand he's going through physical therapy. I want to be careful with my wording. Um, and, 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 and that's important. But he and others have to find a time to get in front of fans uh, and, 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 and know that they're part of something together. And that connection to me is huge. And that applies to any sport. There's some, uh, there's some teams in town that do this really, really well, Victor. You were talking about what the Astros do in getting and engaging with fans. Right. Well, it, and again, it's, it's almost an appointment now every year. You know, uh, right before they head to spring training, they have the fan event. And, and it's you know, an organized thing where they have different stations around the stadium. You get to take pictures with the trophy. Uh, again, again, Houston, the Dynamo used to do this. Uh, they maybe lack consistency in hosting some of these events. For one reason or another, right? Um, and I think having these every year, well, uh, Victor, continuing fair, these in, traditions in, is in, important. In fairness, that's what they did. Was it well attended? Was the stadium packed? No, but but there were stations. There were there were players. There were there were interactions. Right. So, but but I think we're both saying more of this is a positive thing. No, exactly. And can continuing continuing this, not having it be a one-time thing or once every two years, or yeah. next year they switch it to, you know, we'll do it during the season because the players don't have a time for it. No, there has to be, again, a strategy behind this, right? It says, yeah. and like, like you mentioned, because um, I don't want to put it all on, on Hector Herrera. You know, he's, he's having, like, like you said, he, uh, nursing an injury, um, but, even but, if he was doing it here yeah. in town. And by the, but, but somebody has to make it a point to say, our star player has to be at this event. And whether it's pick up the phone and call the owner, whatever you got to do to make it happen. But, you know, these things have to happen for to have that connection there. They have to give it that importance.
Absolutely. Uh, Victor, let's switch gears and we'll get back to to the fan engagement, the New Jersey. But let's talk a little bit about what's happening within 24 hours from the time we record, which is really the start of the season. Uh, not the MLS season, but the, the, the start of competitiveness, uh, the team traveling to St. Louis. Yeah, they're in St. Louis for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, you know, I, I saw a quote out there, and, and I obviously the, the video's out there itself, too, um, in the pre-match press conference, Ben Olsen saying there's no benefit to uh, to facing an MLS side in, in the first round, which, you know, maybe they were hoping, and, and Dynamo fans also were hoping for an international game. Um you know, just going somewhere different than facing somebody uh, in the league, but no benefit. I, I have to disagree with that. I think um, there are certain things that play in their favor. Um, not going through immigration uh, for two rounds, <laughs> I, I think helps. Playing in, you know, for as much as you want to maybe go to another culture uh, or going to another country, uh, you have great fields in MLS that, you know, maybe if you go to Honduras or El Salvador or, or you know, Panama, you may not get this. You, you won't get the same quality. If you go to the Caribbean, you won't get the same quality. Um, and you know, I've heard Ben Hosting complain about the field at LAFC in in the MLS Cup playoffs. I mean, these are the kinds of things that I, I don't see why there wouldn't be a benefit to it. And the other thing is, both of these teams are coming out of preseason, so if there's a time for the Dynamo to try to get one up on St. Louis, a team they've they faced twice last year. Uh, it's the only two meetings. And, you know, St. Louis, I think, are probably the better side in this. Uh, and they get the first game at home. Uh, this actually might be a good opportunity to face them in preseason. Uh, City Park in St. Louis, a, a soccer tradition there, finally getting an MLS team. Uh, it, and there's an interesting story that, that you were working on, Victor, that uh, an ex-fan of the Dynamo gets an opportunity to face his, his team in many ways. That's right. Houston native, again. Maybe another one that got away, <laughs> a young player here in Houston that didn't find a way to the Houston Dynamo, even though he was uh, he used to watch the team whenever he, you know Brian Ching was was uh, was still on the team. I would imagine the Robertson years, uh, Sam, and I would think I'm uh, hopefully saying his name right. Uh, Give it a shot. I I I, I, I believe <laughs> I believe I believe in you, Victor. Uh, uh, Sam uh, um, Adeniran. Okay. Out in St. Louis, uh, again, a Houston native, and and actually he didn't get to face Houston in the second, um, the second match they had, which which is the one played here at the show. Um, but he had some, he had a little, uh, actually a good spell there with St. Louis, where he started scoring on some goals. Uh, did score against Austin FC, so that should endear him to uh, uh, to some Houston fans. Uh, but again, I, I just I, one of those stories, and once he gets into town next week, we'll get to talk to him hopefully. Uh, one of those stories of a player, I think, that was in the local community. Houston continues to create <laughs> professional soccer players. They just happen not to play for the Houston Dynamo. And, and I'm sure if we sat down with this uh, with this young player and, and, and talked to others, there'd be a myriad of reasons for that. And we'll explore that here in the future on the, uh, the Portas yeah. Nation, the soccer podcast. Why, with all the local talent... Are there very few sightings of, of players making the first team and staying on the first team consistently? So that's definitely something to look into. Uh, Victor, I'm going to jump around because of time. We've got to keep moving. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of who does start for the Dynamo, 
uh, versus St. Louis in the um, CONCACAF Champions Cup. We know that one player will not be there, Hector Herrera. What's the latest that we know about Hector? He started in preseason. We talked to him. He looked good. And then we found out that he has an injury and would be traveling to Europe to begin his return, his physical therapy. It is now, what, three weeks later? And do we have official word of his condition, of what he's doing, of his timetable for return? Has anyone even asked, out of sight, out of mind? To me right now, Victor, it's a very strange situation where we all know he's the superstar of the team, but the team's going to start the season without him. Is that going right. to hurt fans attending? Is that going to hurt the level of competitiveness? Does it matter yet? It's a long season. It, it will be, <laughs> maybe, for, for the Houston Dynamo. Uh, it's funny because I saw the preview on CONCAF.com, and, and, and Hector Herrera is, is on the cover there, uh, but not expected to be in this game. I believe Ben Olsen did a, an interview uh, today, actually, as we're recording Monday, uh, with Glenn Davis on on ESPN Radio here locally in Houston. Uh, two things that came out of this one. Uh, I believe uh, Herrera's back in the country, if I if I heard right. Uh, so, obviously, just not going to be playing. And uh, maybe a reason, again, I don't know why these things don't get mentioned, but um, looks like some green card, uh, not issues, but Hector's uh, one of the several players, like I mean, Bossy in, in the in the process of getting his green card, and he does have a European passport. So that's another reason um, why he's in Europe, just like uh, Bossy, who won't be available for this game tomorrow because he's out in France. He's also working on his green card. And obviously, uh, for roster rules, that helps him be a domestic player, sure. and that takes away the need for international slot. But that's another reason, right, that uh, maybe why um, he's doing his rehab out there and not locally here in Houston. But, of course, we don't get told these things because... Why, why would the club want to tell people the truth? Well, well and, and why the secrecy? I, I, mean, and, I mean, Victor, uh, let, let, let me put it this way. It appears at some point people don't even ask anymore. And all due respect to Glenn Davis for asking. But beyond Glenn Davis, who else is asking? And, and that may be part of the problem, that if no one's asking, does that mean they don't care? And, and it's really odd. Look, here's the reality. Um, um, local media, mainstream media, and I'm going to use that because we're not mainstream in any way, Victor, uh, although we are in some ways. That, that's a whole cultural thing I'm re referring to. We are more mainstream in Deportes Nation, bilingual by culture, than the so-called mainstream media. But that's another story for another day. Mainstream media right now are fixated on spring training. They literally have teams of reporters doing live shots multiple times a day from spring training, which is preseason and meaningless, and not one mainstream reporter is asking about Hector Herrera. Maybe Telemundo, maybe, maybe uh, 2DN, maybe a little bit because they kind of have to. But on the English side, Victor, it's just not happening. They're not covering Hector Herrera. What does that tell you if you're leading this club and saying, here's my franchise player? He's been injured, and I bet you the mainstream media—by the way, I'm going to throw this in there—who we traveled and groveled to cover our team don't even ask because they don't know or care. Is that fair? I think yes, partly. Um, 
you know, I'll add to mainstream media, in, in this case with, with Hector Herrera, uh, the Mexican media, because they, they're usually on top of it with injuries and, and, and things like this, insights, um, you know, having sources, uh, and obviously, you know, the, the several outlets with, with big viewership that they have down there. I've seen little to nothing uh, coverage on Hector Herrera, uh, who's supposed to be a national team player, or at least in the national team pool. Um, very little reported on his injury. And that shows you the interest, even on just him as a player now, that that he has by uh, being an MLS or being uh, w- you know, with the Houston Dynamo. And and again, it's 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 part of the media relations that they have to work on. Um, but we've talked about several of these things. It doesn't help not um, not being constantly open. Doesn't help uh, you know again not. Uh, trying to nurture media relations, and I think uh, that's that's the way they like it. Well, that's the way they want it. They don't want criticism. Well, they, they, like like every team, in fairness, they want to control the narrative as much as they can. They, you know, they they would prefer people to to talk about the press release, and and that's good. That that that's that's important to get out their message. You know, come fans, fill up the stadium. We're doing well. Let's yeah. let's and do this. To be fair, every, all that, all every team is- does that. Right. I'll just add this. You know, it it doesn't, in essence, maybe fall on us as well as media members to, you know, do the footwork, right, and go get the information. And um, and that does get tedious at times. Look, I've done it. I'll, I'll tell you, Alex, I've done it for free uh, for a big part of my, my career because I was trying to go out there and make a name for myself. And, uh, and, you know, but that's almost the kind of effort it takes to cover soccer in the United States. Uh, particularly in, in in MLS and certainly the Houston Dynamo, right? Um, and there's uh, that's part of it. The, the, like you said, there's funding to cover the Astros in spring training. Uh, there might not be the same funding to cover the Houston Dynamo, and that's another reason why. No, 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 uh, the no, team no, is no, where it is. no. Forgive me. They're not. There, there, there may not. There isn't. Not there may not be. There isn't the budget to travel to St. Louis to ca- carry uh, th- th- this game. There isn't the budget to go to the U.S. Open Cup final. That had to be facilitated by the club. Please, no, no sour grapes. Yeah. So, so to follow up, no, local mainstream media do not have the budget to cover soccer. That's a fact, Victor. No, and look, I, I thought about it. I mean, because I've, I, I've done these sometimes out of, I, you know, because I, I want to, because I want to be there. But, you sure. know, but then, you, then you think about it, what's the... What do you get back in return, right? Um, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go to St. Louis, so Ben Olsen can look at me funny and you know answer my question with half-hearted effort, then why? What was the point of even being there, right? There isn't. I'm, I'm just there giving isn't. you my perspective yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I don't mind the St. Louis media asking their questions, and we'll just get whatever gets said, and, and we'll share it. Um, but that is part of it, right? There so, isn't anybody else making the trip. There won't be any. Houston reporters tomorrow night after the game asking any questions and you know unless anybody from St. Louis asks anything we'll just get what the, the media team sends us. Well look and, and, and look this is the double-edged sword Victor and we've got to move on soon to talk about another signing a positive signing uh, Coco Carrasquilla signing so we'll talk about that and I promise we'll get to to our Jersey conversation uh, but, but Victor uh, a, a part of this world is if the Dynamo and MLS are already feeding the media the resources, sound bites, and B-roll. What else do you need? If I'm if, if I'm a sports director somewhere, I'm saying, look, it's already it's already here. We don't have to spend any money. 
let's get someone to edit this, put it together, and we've got we, we've done our job. So so in many ways, that's a double-edged sword. That that, that those assets are available are spoon-fed to the media versus someone independently looking into that. Uh, is someone chasing down Hector Herrera right now and saying, "Hey, how are you doing? Where are you?" Is that happening? Is that a story that in, if 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 C.J. Stroud were injured, would there not be questions? Oh every, no, you have all types of coverage already. Every hour, uh, no, you you wouldn't have right. You wouldn't have the what you have now with with Herrera, where it's basically okay. Well, I guess we'll just see you whenever you come back then. A completely different mindset and approach to that story. We're talking about comparable stars for their teams and leagues. Is that not fair? Completely true. And again, it's just one team has that media attention and, and the other one doesn't. And and I know a lot of it gets measured, obviously, in views and likes. And, um, you know, certainly for, for the traditional media, the traditional mainstream media, um, you know, maybe it's unfair if they measure it that way, too. Because, again, if you're just going by what, what the team is sharing, well, everybody has, is going to have the same content. Nobody's going to have anything original. Um, and again, is it worth going out, uh, you know, putting your own money, uh, even if it's company money, right, uh, to get an original story if, if maybe the audience isn't there? And, I'm, you know, we've, we've had this debate where, you know, Houston's a soccer city, but does that the soccer audience care about the Houston Dynamo? And, yeah, we well, can be here all day on well, that. Well, you made the point. Houston is a soccer city. Is it a Dynamo Dash City? That remains to be seen. So we're going to switch gears here a little bit, and this will help us transition to our next two topics. Victor, there is positive news because the Dynamo did sign Adalberto Carrasquilla, the Panamanian, who for many, he was on his way out to Europe, but he's made a signing. And if you look on screen right now, he's wearing in this beautiful photo the new jersey, the alternate jersey that has been unveiled in the past couple of days. And we'll talk about that shortly. But first, talk about Coco Carrasquilla wanting to stay in Houston. That's definitely a good, uh, a good, um, a good news for the team. It is. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of comments where it says, well, look, he's staying in Houston. It, you know, it's almost like a, like, a, like a stamp of, like he's saying no to Europe. And I think that's the wrong narrative. I, I look at this more like a pay raise which he absolutely deserves. He, yeah. he certainly has the talent um, because he has been one of the better players, independently of if he's in the best spot to help the team or not. And I think now that Herrera's out injured, maybe he'll go back to his natural position and, and we'll see that type of impact. Um, but even based on what he had done already, uh, you know, to see uh, a Corey Baird get paid more than he did last year, to me, was unfair. I'll just leave it at that. Um you know, teenage Hadebe also, you know, getting paid way more than he was. And I think Carrasquilla brings more to the team than, than some of those other players. Um, so maybe he's finally getting his, uh, you know, his just rewards. Um, what does this mean for his European ambitions? They're not gone. Um, no. And if the right offer is there, which let's be honest, it hasn't been, um, then I think you'll see that negotiation. The Dynamos would certainly be interested in selling him if the price is right. Um, but it also tells you that Carrasquilla is happy in Houston. He's, he's spoken about it. He's spoken about, you know, what it means to have this style of living for his family. And, you know, I think the Europe thing is it isn't completely to the side, but if he's not going to a top league, I think it shows you that he's, he's perfectly comfortable here in MLS, which isn't a bad thing so long as he 
gets the you get the production out of it on the field. Twenty five years of age, he still has uh, plenty of career per se, if you will, and and at least uh, for now he will be here. And I think complementing Hector Herrera in that midfield very very well. I think the moment Victor that we saw those two start to get along, not only on but off the field, connecting on the field. I think it gave a bit of freedom for Hector Herrera in the midfield to roam, to come back, to, to, to really be free, knowing he has someone that can support him, and someone that can also support him defensively. Hector Herrera is not known as a defensive midfielder. Uh, so so it, it, I think it really adds another layer of competitiveness to the team, a key piece that, that returning only makes the team stronger. So we'll see if he remains happy, if he continues to be happy, which which we would be a good thing for everyone. Uh, Victor, I'm going to transition to now the Jersey story, because this is something that I, I'm trying to better understand. I want to be fair in the way I present this. And it's really—and I'll say this from the offset, and I've actually got notes for once on this one, Victor, um, on, the new, on the new launch or the launch of the new Still Holden kit. I want to make sure I get my, 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 my lingo down. I want to get my information. Um, the, the launch took place a few days ago at Cactus Music, by the way, one of the traditional places for music in this city. I went to Cactus back in my college days when we still bought vinyl. Do you, any of you remember what that is? Records, uh, which are making a comeback, by the way, Victor. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> so I hear, yeah. <laughs> what, what, is, what is a record? I was not at the event. You were. What does a record cost these days? Do you know an LP? I, I wasn't able to get a, a, a look at I wasn't paying attention to the prices, but I'm sure. <laughs> I was just wondering. Uh, one of my daughters, actually, who's a Swifty, Taylor Swift fan, now has vinyl for this. So it right. may, maybe right. it's making a comeback. Eight tracks will, will not tell be you, making a comeback. Yes, sir. As, as part of their comp, uh, marketing efforts, I did like the, uh, the personalized covers that they made for, for certain players. And, you know, I think that would make a good giveaway if they were able to print some of those and give them away. So, so we continue, uh, and we'll see where that goes. But, Victor, let me before we get into it, let me read something so that you help me understand how we arrived at this. By the way, the jersey itself, and, and our producer here is going to help me here with, with some video shortly, is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Nothing against the, the video. I'm sorry. On the video, you're seeing the the purple, the color. the The color is beautiful. But help me understand here. It, it's it's. I'm going to read a quote because I don't understand this. Okay. It says the still holding kit features candy paint purple, a prominent color in local hip -hop, in the local hip hop scene, and a callback to the sunsets that reflect on Shell Energy Stadium. They they talk about uh, uh, Victor, something that that I just don't understand. The Color celebrates hip-hop culture and the trademark, here's what I don't understand, chopped and screwed sound synonymous with the city. So I'm an old man. I have no idea what that means. What is the chopped and screwed sound that's synonymous <laughs> with Houston? And I've been in Houston since 1987. When did I miss this? When did that become synonymous with Houston? Chopped and screwed. That's what this press release reads. Can you... I, I'm ignorant. Yeah, what does this 90s, mean? 90s, 90s, uh, Houston rap, uh, early 2000s. I, I mean, maybe we just gotta uh, make you a little bit more <laughs> a man of culture. But I, I'm sure you've seen the customized cars on the streets of Houston. Um, 
the, the flamboyant colors, the, the ones, rims. The ones that slow down traffic and break traffic laws, those? Remember, <laughs> I've seen the pack of, of, of motorcycles or bicycles that that basically just slow everybody up and there's no consequence to that. Again, no, no, I, the, I know the, I, I, know I sound like an old man. <laughs> Not the bicycle. It's just the uh, the cars, and okay. you know, you know, there's certain, uh, you know, where they, I guess, events where they have them swerve on the street. Um, you've seen the the spoke wheels. Uh, you know, it, it's, I'm, it's all part I'm, of. The, I'm aware of it. Yes. Um, and maybe you've heard some of. Well, according to when we were talking, you hadn't heard some of this rap, but it, it's basically just slow down rap. Um, that's the chopped and screwed, and. You know, this is all part of the Houston rap culture. Um, I always understood the purple uh, to be for the purple drink, for lean, as mm -hmm. it's called. The, uh, it's, called it's called what? The lean? Lean. Lean. Okay. I, I always call you purple drink, which I guess it's the uh, the uh, the street name. I don't know. I'm sure there's others. Syrup. Vic, uh, basically, Vic, it's... It, Vic, don't interrupt yeah. you. Is, is this the same cultural references that Mattress Mac just came out with in some videos and he's dressed like a hip-hop yeah artist he, uh, <laughs> gangsta mac okay that's, so that's him so that's the marketing that someone like mattress mac and the dynamo are headed for are headed to are are seeking to represent their team it's a well, conscious it's a very mac, conscious effort right it is uh you know, in the sense of Mattress Mac, there was a meme uh, that that or, or a painting that was made um, that he made into reality. Okay. Uh, it was Mattress Mac with uh, a bandana, uh, Gangsta Mac, and then he, he sort of made it into reality with Gangsta the, uh, Mac. That's right. Okay. And he made it reality with a, I guess, a skit, a video where he was making um, some of this purple drink, which is basically he didn't show the cough syrup, so there is that. Uh, but it's cough syrup, Sprite, and then uh, sometimes you throw in some Jolly Ranchers. Um, you know, it sort of slows you down. Sometimes you do other drugs, but I mean, it's it's all it's all in the songs too. I mean, it's not something that you can say it's independent. Um, you know, I, maybe it's more wink wink. Uh, here, I, obviously, the Houston Dynamo aren't alluding to it, but you know, I always and I was talking to you. I, maybe I've been desensitized to it. I always just you know, it, it was, it's part of it. Um, you know, everybody has a personal preference. I'm not talking down on the color or the, or, or the Houston rap culture, or even just, you know, again, this, this whole culture, which is sometimes dubbed Screwston, right? Because the chopped and screw comes from DJ screw. Um, so that's the nickname that sometimes Houston will have is Screwston. And we've seen the purple and, and there was actually, I think, and I don't know if it's the same designer, um, the same graphic design as Houston Dynamo, there was Excruston FC, uh -huh. which had some purple Adidas customized jersey, sort of limited edition. I think that was sort of, uh, you know, a hit with the niche of the audience. And I don't know if that's certainly where it stems from, but, you know, now it's it's part of the identity of the Houston Dynamo. It's their alternate jersey for the next two seasons. The, the jersey, as, as you see on screen, ladies and gentlemen, is beautiful. I, I mean, I really like the look. The, the... And I will add, uh, yes, sir. not the only MLS team to lean into into hip hop. Um, maybe not as <laughs> as big and bold as this, uh, but the New York uh, Red Bulls had, I think, uh, an, an ode to their hip hop culture with a recent jersey in Atlanta as well. And 
Um, I believe those might be some some of the better selling jerseys, at least for those teams. So maybe that's where some of the inspiration came as well. And, and Victor, big and bold is good. I, I'm all into that. Make a decision, go with it. If if, if certainly Alex Parra doesn't pretend to know Houston hip hop culture, far from it. I, I I'm, I'm learning it. Uh, I, it's 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 speaking more out of ignorance. But here is my question. My question is, Houston soccer culture is one thing. Houston hip-hop culture is another. Do they converge in some place? That's what I'm missing. If the Houston Dynamo are trying to draw just fans in general to the stadium to follow their product, I understand this. If they're trying to draw soccer, traditional soccer yeah. fans, that's another market. And I'm not being disrespectful, I hope, in my comment. So the Dynamo, with this alternate jersey, out of the infinite choices that they had, said, look, this is where we're going to put our eggs. That's a conscious decision. And is it because they feel that's a market they can tap into? Is it because it's a fad? And I equated to my comment about Mattress Mac. Is that what the marketing folks out there are saying? Hey, everyone's doing this. Let's do it. I get it. They all get on the bandwagon. Someone must have pitched them this. And they said, yeah, this is where we're headed. This is our current identity for an alternate jersey. It's not everything that the Dynamo Dash are. It's part of it. But it's a conscious effort to do that versus doing other things. That's fair. Well, it's been a conscious effort for them for a couple of years now and through different managements because it's, uh, I believe, it started around the time of the rebrand with the hold it down, right? Right. Um, so they've, they've sort of been angling that way. They've had some rappers come out and do concerts at the stadium. Um, I know some of these. And, I met Paul and, Wall. Yeah. <laughs> I met Paul Wall and Bun B. Bunny? Bunny B? Yeah. I met Bun, Bun B. I met the Bunny. So, so, so I'm aware of it. And, yes, you can make fun of old man Alex. He, I get I'm stuck in the 80s. This is smarter minds than me. <laughs> smarter minds than mine, Victor, are, 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 are still holding it. Right. Um, so, well, so... here's the thing: if if this jersey sells like hotcakes, then maybe you know it's um, that right there would be the the justification, uh, perhaps at least for them economically. Uh, I think that's at least Fair the enough. hope, right? That they that they would get one of the better selling jerseys out of this uh, that you would think. And I mean, these things are not, you know, the way MLS is now. These you know these things aren't cheap. I, I think the authentic costs you. Um, just over 150 if you want name and number on the back whether it's a player or you want it customized uh it's 200 bucks essentially and i think the replica wait slow down slow down slow down slow down 200 dollars for any jersey or this jersey in particular any jersey any jersey wow whichever one you're buying now i mean that's what they're called did they let you did they let you hold and touch one or we weren't allowed they did they did not i guess they thought i was going to (laughs) Where, well, I, I well, were, in yeah, fairness, I, I, I wasn't at the event. Were others allowed to touch it? And you weren't. Uh, I mean, you can grab it in the team shop, and, and no, 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 for free, for free. No, we're not going to pay to hold it. <laughs> you can, I suppose, you can hold it in the team shop, and as long as you don't leave with it, that's uh, that's probably as good as See, it gets. Now, now you're getting to the bottom line, Victor. Regardless of how you justify the brain blast behind the creation and it's perfectly justifiable apparently i'm just ignorant apparently of uh, of the chopped and screwed sound synonymous with the city i go back to that because 
I had no idea until I read this press release what that was. So I'm fully ignorant. But well, the, the bottom look, line is dollars. I, sell, the, I, sell those again, jerseys. Listen, and it, it's been controversial, at least from everything I read online, because it's, you know, some people have brought it up. Uh, other people have come to the defense of the team where it's no, it doesn't signify lean. Uh, if you want to make that connection, that's a you problem. That's essentially what they're saying. Um, but, you know, they, they steer more towards the rap culture. But, I mean, I just, I, I put it because maybe this is more, has to do with my generation, right? And I grew up with this with this music. Um, you know, I, so I, 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 I always understood it. Right, that it goes without saying that that's what the purple is for. Sure, uh, you see him in the album covers, you hear it in the songs. Um, I, the dino, and, and it is a thin line, I think, to 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 try to navigate. So, Look, Mattress Mac got criticized uh, in comments. I think he had to take that video down. The Houston Chronicle wrote an opinion piece about it, or or at least just documenting it. They haven't written about one about the Houston Dynamo, and I wouldn't expect one because I'm sure Mattress Mac gets some more hits than the Houston Dynamo. Um, but again, if the Houston Dynamo had that type of attention, I think they'd, they'd probably be criticized as well. I've seen some posts by fans online where they think this is a glorification of the drug culture, and, and they don't agree with this, and they, in, in, in essence, disgusted that the team is going in this direction sure. when, when they, again, choose not to go the soccer route. And, and you see some of the jerseys around the league, uh, San Jose, the earthquakes tapped into their history with an old earthquakes uh, uh, jersey with the old logo. Orlando City uh, tapped into their USL history with the old USL logo. The Seattle Sounders made an anniversary jersey for uh, one of the better jerseys, I think, that came out of this uh, recent release of, of jerseys. When um, the Houston Dynamo, you know, want to go in this direction, which it, it's a thin line because, again, no other Houston team has gone all in on the purple and and we'll see where where it goes with houston well uh, but i think it does come with controversy well a couple of things first of all victor everything has controversy someone's going to look at our show today and say i don't like the way uh th that old man is dressed he should change and, and and wear one of the purple jerseys so criticism comes with almost anything of you put yourself out there so i get that now now what i what i don't understand and i go back to it is is all in on something that someone says is synonymous with the city, okay? There, by the way, there's this little thing called the rodeo that's about to go off for the next month. The rodeo is synonymous with the culture of this city, and it has nothing to do with purple or this jersey or the chopped and screwed sound. Well, Bun okay? B, Bun B's been doing a couple of concerts uh, for three years now. I think Fair enough. No, no, no. It's a, and, and, it's a Houston hip-hop celebration well they have a night for that but i mean the, the the culture around the rodeo is my point is synonymous with our city latino culture is synonymous with our city so th there are so many things that are synonymous with our city depending on your perspective and your point of view this is someone's perspective i'm respectful of that now what you have said also disturbs me as an older person and i'm involved with youth soccer if this in any way is connected to a drug culture to a, 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 a culture of, of abuse, of, of, of women, of bad language, I don't think that's a good look for anyone, Victor. And I'm not saying that is or isn't. You grew up in this, in this genre of music certainly more than I have. Uh, I don't understand it. I, I don't take its merit away as an artistic art, as an artistic 
uh, a way to express? Not at all. But if there are tinges of, now, there are tinges of these kind of things, sexism, drug use, in almost every genre of music, right? So, so we can't right. also be blanket. That exists in country music. That exists in, 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 in heavy metal. It exists in many places. So it's not a, this is the only genre that may have that. My only question is, if somebody tapped into something that's synonymous with the city, I just hope it was done after some research and some thought. But I also understand generationally, things have changed. Old man like me are stuck in the 80s. We don't need to know or are aware of what's happening. And this is the new generation. And maybe that's the right decision. You said it, Victor. If they can sell at $160 to $200 a pop these jerseys, that's success. That'll be success to them. And again, I think it'll be, it'll be a story to follow over the next, uh, uh, for sure this season and maybe next, depending on, you know, because this jersey is going to be here for two seasons. The way MLS does it is they only change one jersey per team. Um, and that jersey sticks around for two years. And I know they probably wanted to go uh, a different direction than, than the traditional black jerseys they've used in, in the last two, uh, four seasons, I, I should say, uh, if I'm correct. But, you know, it's again, it, it does ruffle some feathers. It does bother some people. Um, it maybe brings unwanted attention and we'll see how, how they handle it. Because I think at some point, um, the biggest thing to me, again, I, I, I tell you, to me, it just goes without saying it, it, you know, what, what the purple stands for. And, you know, we spoke, uh, you know, off camera and, and I had to sort of explain it to you. So you're not the only one. You did have to explain it to me. Yeah. And you, and you're not the only one, uh, that I've had to, you know, in the Dynamo community, you have to sort of, you know, uh, explain this to a little bit. And, and I've gotten, you know, some weird reaction where it's like, well, hold, hold, hold on. So what is this again? And, and you know, maybe it's like, well, it's a nice jersey, but maybe I'm not going to buy it. Maybe I'll stay away from this one. Um, so, you know, and again, and this is people like, like yourself that have lived in the city for a long time, you're, maybe you're, just not introduced to this culture. You're calling and, us veterans. But, you're calling us old. Thank you. So I, I'm just wondering if there's people inside the organization, because we know there's not enough Estonians in there, that maybe haven't realized this yet and maybe are about to. And, and that uh, maybe raises a bigger question of where the, uh, the management of this organization is. Maybe the last point, Victor, because we've got to move on here with, with our agenda. So, so you go back and you mentioned to me someone called DJ Screw. So DJ Screw is behind the Screwston. The Screwston. Yeah, well, that's, that's where the, is that, a, is that's a, where the style. That's where the style. Okay. Comes, but obviously, there's there's several local Houston artists that have used this type of the chopped, and, style chopped of music. and screwed. We go back to that screwed ton, Screwston, right? And, and DJ and Screw. Guess, and, and if you you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be the slow rap. Um, you know, you have some some local artists, right? Uh, again, you mentioned. Bun B, uh, Paul Wall, uh, Mike Jones, who does the Houston Dynamo song. Uh, that was taped, I think, back in like 2007. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think like in any any demographic in Houston, there's going to be a crossover between Dynamo fans and, and every community in Houston. Um, I think the issue here, and as some fans have, have pointed this out, is to go all in on wanting to be, and maybe this is their strategy to go into the general uh, sports scene, right? 
to be there alongside with the Astros and the Rockets and the Texans because they're certainly um, part of the fan base that uh, that crosses over there. And I think maybe the Dynamo are trying to find their space in that. Um, is it the right approach? I don't know because I, I also think the Dynamo have a certain advantage that no other sport in the city has. It's the most famous or it's the most popular sport in the world. And when you have, you know, the product itself, uh, that, and you're not trying to just go after soccer fans first and foremost, that's probably the biggest, the, the bigger um, issue we should be talking about here as well as why is it uh, all in on, on the Houston rap culture? Look, it's a very interesting story more than anything because of the... The, well, the more the than story anything because behind. they're not filling up the stadium as well. And, 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 and again, is, the, is this part of a master plan in order to fill up the stadium? Because this uh, approach to the chopped and screwed sound synonymous with the city will allow fans now, more fans, to get to experience the product, product that is MLS? Someone That's, smarter than me is, is making this decision. So... So we, we will well, keep up with it, we'll though. See. Beautiful we'll see. jersey. Maybe we, maybe we just need to bring out the gangster Alex in you. Gangsta. Maybe I'll do the I'll do the what is it the bandana to, to cover up yeah. the baldness with uh, like with the, uh, with uh, with think like, of it like prison Mike in the office. Is that it? <laughs> if you watch the office. It's, oh oh, I'm sorry. Like, no, I, now I know the reference you're talking <laughs> about. I thought you meant in our office. I'm like, wait a minute, what's he talking no, about? No 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 no. Prison Mike, he wears a purple bandana. I, I, it, it, I, I think I'm aware of it. I don't know if that's necessarily the best look for Alex Parra. Victor, we got to move on. Right. A lot still to talk about. And another uh, side of this, uh, of this organization is the Houston Dash. We were at the, the uh, welcome press conference for Fran Alonso, who showed up. Finally, after being uh, dealing with some visa issues, uh, he seems like a pleasant uh, man. He seems like someone that's very excited to be here. He brings energy, pun intended. That's one of the words that we used, that was used at the press conference. And his story is just amazing. Someone that loves the sport so much that he's worked his way up and now has this great opportunity leading the Dash in the NWSL. That's right. Started with the cleaning crew, uh, transitioned over to tran translator and uh assistant and just climbing the ladder yeah. um ch chasing a dream but again uh and, and he started working now he's, he's gotten some friendlies i think out of the way you know we have to see what this means uh once they once they get started playing are the results going to be there um the challenges of him going from you know he said it himself uh coaching amateurs part-timers uh to having you know what's a professional uh, sports team and what he considers one of the top leagues in the world, probably the top league in the world, and the National Women's Soccer League. Um, you know, let's see how it goes. Uh, again, I think we we wish him the best, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a transition, and certainly at the beginning here because of the Women's Gold Cup. Uh, no Maria Sanchez, no Diana Ordonez, no Jane Campbell, among others. Exactly, those those international commitments are going to deplete the team, and and we'll see what Alonso. Uh, can do with the club, but we wish him the best. Uh, again, he seems like a very pleasant and, and educated and knowledge uh, and knowledgeable uh, um, coach. So, so uh, again, the beginning beginning of a new era, beginning again. We've we've gone through three eras in three years for the for the Dash. Actually, four Much head coaches, four coaches in three years, if I'm not mistaken, including an interim. Uh, several interims, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sarah Loudon there, and you had a. a 
uh, Juan Carlos Amoros was an interim as well. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of turnover for the Houston Dash. And now with the Dash, uh, they're coming up with, uh, you know, preseason friendlies. There's a match coming up against the University of Texas at uh, Houston Sports Park. It may be open to some fans. Victor, to me, that's one of those matchups against a solid, very good, a very good uh, Longhorn uh, team. I was, I was, I was, uh, I was uh, lucky enough to broadcast one of their Big 12 matches against U of H this season. What a tremendous team. I'm curious to see how they do against the Dash, the professional side. To me, that should be open to the public. Why so many close scrimmages? I get that as a coach, and I pretended to be one, you know, I'm not quite ready yet to, <laughs> to show my, my first team. But, but at some point, back to the fans. Wouldn't fans, soccer fans, love to watch University of Texas Longhorns against the Houston Dash? You put that, to me, you put that at the shell, sell tickets for half price, and, and with just enough uh, Longhorn alum, you'll have 5,000 people there. Am I crazy? Uh, well, I, don't, I hope you have 5,000 people. That's probably more than they get to games, but I, I agree with you. I think fans want to be part of some of these events. I think if you certainly do organize them, if, you know, it's, come, it's like the saying, if you build it, they will come. I think if you if you organize it, they'll they'll make their way out there. And, and again, every time you do one of these, it's an opportunity to strengthen that connection with the fan base. Um, maybe they feel they have to look the part of, of a professional team. And that's why they got to do these uh, these closed doors, um, you know, scrimmages. Uh, I'll tell you up to a certain, maybe a few years ago, all the trainings were open to media, 100%. Go in there, get all the footage you want. Um, from a certain point uh, to where we are now, it's the same as the Dynamo, where it's 15 minutes open only. Um, and obviously, we see professional teams in Europe where they have you know open trainings and, and they allow fans to come in. Everybody does it a different way. Um, to me, I think maybe they just maybe part of it is privacy. Maybe part of it is just uh, you know looking the part of a professional team. But uh, I agree when you have. And unless this, unless I'm mistaken, unless these are NWSO mandated uh, rules or, or just, you know, part of the deal with the NWSO Players Association, um, you know, perhaps that has some part to play in it. But I don't I don't think anything negates you from making as much of these uh, fan events as possible. And, and I agree. It's all part of the growing the game. You, you know, Victor, forgive me for interrupting you. I think that's a fair question to ask. Um, both organizations. What, why the 15-minute the, the rule? And, and, and look, I, I, I'm going to be kind in the way I present this. For an organization and a team that needs coverage, to me, you need to facilitate that coverage. In some ways, they're already doing it by sending out video and, 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 uh, uh, and, and uh, sound bites uh, that are ready for the media. They're ready and accessible. Those resources are there, but I don't see how you lose anything, certainly in certain training sessions, when you're doing certain drills that really are, are not revealing anything. Look, I have this conversation with you, with Don Enrique Vasquez about the Texans, that you can't shoot certain aspects of, of, uh, of Houston Texans NFL practice because you might reveal a secret. Literally, I've been told, sitting in the stadium of NRG, looking toward the bubble, that no one can shoot an image that way. To me, that's ridiculous. There's nothing that someone can gain from a report locally 
that you might have 15 seconds of video that someone can tap into and get an advantage over. So that's ridiculous to me, 100%. It's also ridiculous to me for some teams that need exposure, that want media, that want to get out there. I would even have a contest and I would have the, the 15 best fans to come and watch an entire practice and sit them down and give them free everything, including the new purple jersey, and have them endear themselves to that team. But again, you said it, and I think maybe you said it tongue-in-cheek, tongue maybe you didn't, pretending to be a real team. Uh, Victor, you, if you open those well, again, doors up, it, I'll right. be, I'll, this, this is going to be a tough statement, and, 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 and I hope I'm not being too hard on these teams. You could open those doors, tear down those fences, and you might still get six people there. So, so people are not trying to run over that facility to watch practice. Oh, exactly. Uh, and there's been people that, that have tried that whenever Messi's in town or maybe even when, when Mexico's in town. Um, sure. Again, it, it shows you the, the different level of interest. You know, if they were the Houston Texans, right, and it was going to be a distraction if 300 people show up uninvited, um, you know, you can understand, right, why some of these things are in place. But again, when you need the coverage, and, and I go back to it again, it's just one of those things where we compare it to the old days uh, at Robertson Stadium. Um the trainings used to be at Carl Lewis uh, yes. in, in, at UH, and all of them were open. Um, fans can go in and watch, uh, or they're training at the stadium. They go in and watch. I walked in one time. Um, you know, Brad Davis punched uh, Andrew Ano. Uh, there was a little scuffle there in training, and, and I'm sure those are the kinds of things that they don't want to come out of training, right? Uh, just a few, you know, beginning, I think, one of the first trainings of the year. Um, now that there's rumors out there about Escobar potentially going to, to enter Miami, um, I believe we witnessed there uh, Escobar and Olsen having a, a, a couple of exchange of words, right? Maybe sure. we, we, we came away with the um, assumption that Escobar is not um, wanting to play left back this season. And these are the things that sort of come out of these open sessions. And I think these are the things they want to avoid. And that, that plays partly into it. But again, when you're an organization that needs the attention, um, you know, you got to do everything you can to get fan fan engagement, right? And if and if it's inviting fans to practice, but again, this is something that goes all the way to the top. If the owner wants it to wants them to be more accessible, the team has to be more accessible. Sure. sure. But I if if you're going to let the players and, and 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 general managers dictate the rules of how uh, accessible your team is going to be, well, we've seen this story before. 2017, yeah. they had a similar successful season like they did last year, 2017-2018, if we want to include that Open Cup title. Um, that was one of the most closed-off dynamos that we've seen, and that was one that, again, lost a lot of the fan base for the same reason of not being open, not wanting to do media, not wanting to take part in fan events, and, and we feel the repercussions of it still. Intriguing. Intriguing this season. We'll see what happens. I go back to it. To me, it's simple. Uh, open it up for fans. Make it a fan experience. It, it doesn't have to be 15 minutes. There's no secrets there. They're going to change the world. And, and even Ben Olsen and Pat Olsen will tell you that. I, I don't think there's a secrecy. Maybe, Victor, and we'll, we'll look to clarify that. It's league-mandated rules, and, and, and there's, that's the Pontius Pilate. Uh, that I can't do anything about it. So maybe, maybe that's a reason behind it. Victor, we have to move on. Uh, this, this week, a lot happening, obviously, with the start of the Dynamo FC season uh, on Saturday versus uh, Sporting Kansas City. But in Shell, there'll be a few games before that of the CONCACAF Women's uh, Gold Cup, uh, an event that's coming to, to our city. That's right. Uh, and it's about time. 
um, that we have a, a women's competition uh, here in the region. We obviously have the Gold Cup for for a long time here. Uh, that's the men's version, and and you know, for my taste, it should be every four years, like like the Euro and and like the Copa America. But um, and, and that gets called the cash grab. But on the women's side, we haven't even had it, um, and it's crazy to me that you know we're what thirty over thirty years removed from the first women's World Cup. Yeah, and Concacaf is finally getting a women's competition. So, um, better late than never, I suppose. And and again, maybe part of it is the lack of attention to the women's game, the lack of uh, interest, maybe at the gate. But just like you know, it is in the NCAA, just like it is with FIFA, um, you know the the games or, or the sports that make you the most money sometimes offset or provide the funding uh, for some of these other competitions. And that's sure. why, uh, you know, we see it at the youth levels. Uh, it's about time we see it at the senior women's level. Yeah, I'm excited about the this tournament coming to, to Shell. Tell us a little bit more about some of the teams, Victor, that will be participating. I know that El Salvador just qualified. We're watching some of the highlights of, of, uh, of uh, I, le- I believe, the, the their final match that got him into this uh, group of four that will be playing out of uh, Shell Energy. Yes, there was a qualification process, just like the uh, the CONCACAF Nations League for the men's, where there was three separate leagues, uh, there was a qualification process for the women. It was called the Road to the, the W Gold Cup. Uh, and El Salvador was one of the uh, teams in League B that, that won their groups, that got into the, uh, the preliminaries. Um, they ended up facing uh, Guatemala. The preliminaries were just, uh, you know, last week here, um, or over the last couple of days over in, uh, in L.A., and just to fill the three last spots in, in each group, uh, we get Group C, which as we now know is has El Salvador and, and Brenda Seren, who is the younger sister of former Houston Dynamo Darwin Seren, uh, but she's also El Salvador's uh, best player. She scored a hat-trick in that game, uh, technically gifted. Um, so they'll be fun to watch. Let, we're going to see how many of the uh, La Selecta fans will get out at at Shell Energy Stadium. Uh, Canada is also in that group. Um, so obviously the Canadian national team, one of the better ones in the region. Uh, we've also always had that sort of Houston dash Canada connection. And uh, the two other teams, Costa Rica. Uh, so we'll have uh, two Latino teams in, in, in this group. And then, well, three actually, because, uh, and this is maybe the part that I... Uh, Paragu- you were talking about Paraguay. Paraguay, yeah, because we have uh, invitations out to to other uh, confederations, but you know maybe this will make the tournament stronger and at least for the teams in in the region to have a better challenge. But uh, yeah, Paraguay is in there; they could potentially be the champions of Concacaf if they go on to win the whole thing. Uh, so, looking at Group C, who do you th- expect to be coming out of Houston? Probably the Canadian team. Probably Canada. They they have the. You would think they have the better uh, talent, uh, even if they are in a bit of a transition because, uh, you know, maybe not Sinclair anymore, but you would think they still have plenty of talent and plenty of players, uh, elite players that should have them first in the group. Uh, after that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Costa Rica or, or El Salvador, one of those two. I think that's probably the expectation. The, sec- the, the second best uh, third-place teams, I believe, are the ones that... Uh, Sort of get ranked, and then, and then only two, like the two best, uh, or maybe it's the two best third places. I, I'm mistaken, and 
So we'll, maybe we'll actually have three teams. Yeah, we're, we're looking yeah, quickly. Those are the three teams, I would say. Yeah, so we're quickly looking at the group stage. A total, if I'm not mistaken by my math, of 12 teams, four in each group, group A, B, and C. Out of that, eight will qualify out to the quarterfinals. Obviously, then we go to a uh, knockout round, semifinals, and final, which will take place March 10th at the, at the Snapdragon Stadium. So you can see that on your screens there. Yeah, so, so, yes, so the two top two teams in each group advance, and then the... the Second uh, best third place teams. So got it. Out of yeah, out of I any out, out of any of the three groups, correct? Uh, out the, of any of the three groups. The strongest group to me, of course, would be Group A, right? USA, Mexico, Argentina, and República Dominicana. Right, because you you have uh, well, <laughs> at least you have the U.S. So that, you have that's the US, one right. that obviously the favorite to win the entire thing. Um, but Mexico should uh, in come theory, out of that group. Uh, yeah have a good group but you know we saw it i think in the um world cup qualification that they've had trouble so nothing's for sure for mexico so anyway so so well, tell us about the the matches here victor at shell energy will have three days of matches if, if i'm not mistaken that's right uh thursday we'll have a uh, costa rica and paraguay and then we have canada El salvador at the uh, as a headliner uh, a couple of days after that on the 25th uh Paraguay in, in Canada, and then El Salvador, Costa Rica will headline. Uh, so that that's where we'll get the two uh, the Central American countries. Maybe we'll see if the fans come out there for that rivalry. And then uh, the last day will be the 28th. That's Canada, Costa Rica, and then uh, Paraguay, El Salvador uh, will be the headliner. So El Salvador, uh, in the tail end of, of each of these doubleheaders, not Canada, which you would think would be the headliner just based on talent alone. But uh, obviously, they're betting big on the uh, La Selecta fans coming out of show. And, and finally, Victor, on, on the the, uh, the Gold Cup, where can we find out more information if people want to attend? I've seen already reduction of tickets. I'm being honest. That's what I saw on social media. But uh, this is a great opportunity to, to see national teams, women's national teams here in our city. Uh, and, and, and I bet you... Um, with the weather, it'll be a nice evening to to catch some of uh, of the best of uh, of Concacaf women's uh, national teams. Yes, obviously uh, Concacaf.com, but you know we'll have some stuff on the Fortis Nation as well for anybody wanting information on that tournament. And uh, I think we close with this, Victor. Uh, let's look forward to the opening uh, on Saturday, the twenty fourth of the another Houston Dynamo season. What do you right. what, what are you looking for? Uh, this Saturday when Houston Dynamo FC receive Sporting Kansas City, by the way, a matchup of the Western Conference Finals? Semifinals. Semifinals, yeah. And obviously a, a, yeah. a rivalry, long-time rivalry between Sporting and and Houston. Uh, home opener here, which is usually what the Dynamo get because maybe being more in the South, uh, more often than not, Houston get to, to host in the opening week. And for a long time, it used to be a sellout, which I think, you know, we haven't really seen much of the build up here, but you know, hopefully we get a good we see a good crowd out there. And for the sake of the dynamo, they see three points because I think that'll it'll be a difficult season. Uh without Hector Herrera, obviously Nelson Quinones now you don't have in the attack. Uh Bossy's not here for the foreseeable future until that gets that sorted out. So we're um certainly there'll be some challenges here early and we'll see what the what the scope of the team is. Well, a lot to look forward to this week. So uh, please stay with us as we bring you coverage on the Portes Nation of, of all of this, of the Dash, of the Houston Dynamo FC, of uh, the Women's Gold Cup, 
and much more soccer action. And, and Victor, we will continue to talk about different topics related to our soccer world here on the Deportes Nation, the soccer podcast. So on behalf of them, Victor Araiza, my uh, partner in crime, I'm Alex Farra. We want to thank all of you that follow us, that tolerate us here on Deportes Nation. And until next time, when we bring you this Deportes Nation, the soccer podcast. <laughs>